Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher Jr. and I'll be your host. Got a great show for you today and I've got one of the premier college golf coaches on the men's side who happens to be the coach of one of the premier programs in the country and that's Matt Thurman from Arizona State. He is now in his eighth season at the helm. He was hired in July of 2016 after leading the Washington Huskies program for 15 seasons there. Had a very successful run there at Washington as well. And the Sun Devils are coming off three straight top five finishes at the NCAAs, including a runner-up finish to Texas in 2022. The last uh, three NCAAs have been at Greyhawk and Scottsdale. know there's been a lot of pressure on them to uh, perform there. And we'll look here from Coach Thurman and what that experience has been like. But uh, he's now been recently named the head coach of the Palmer Cup, the men's team, which will be later in July in Hinch in uh, Ireland. He's been Pac-12 Coach of the Year, and I'm looking forward to hearing from him. And uh, let's uh, get Matt with us. Well, with that said, uh, let's uh, bring in Arizona State's Matt Thurman to the podcast. Matt, appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks. Honored to be on. Well, you've uh, been uh, now, I guess, in your eighth season at Arizona State, but you've recently been named the Palmer Cup uh, Coach for the men's side. And uh, what a great honor. Uh, Describe that honor and what you're looking forward to. Well, this is one special, you know, anytime you're associated with Mr. Palmer, you're, you're doing something pretty cool. Number one, you get to represent your country. Uh, and for me, I mean, my family heritage comes from Southwest Ireland and be able to go to La Hinch and play there. I mean, I, I'm super excited for that too. Uh, and and I, I coached the team in 2009 and we lost right. and I've, it's driven me crazy ever since. So I'm, I'm highly motivated to, to help the team do anything we can to win this time. What'd you learn from that past experience that probably will help you this time around? You know, I felt like I could have been more prepared. I uh, could have okay. known the course better, could have known the players better. Uh, I think that's challenging because sometimes they, you know, they're, they are on other teams and you got your, um, your normal job. Uh, but in this case, we're, we're a month later in July, which is great. I'll have that time in June to get to know the kids a little bit more. Uh, and, and I think our staff will be, you know, connecting all spring about strategy and plan and messaging and preparing anything we need to for the course. I just think I'll be a little more uh, organized and have a little more attention to detail when it comes to it. Yeah, I talked to Garrett Runyon, had him on the podcast, and uh, he's looking forward to it, too. A different style of golf, and you've got to prepare that way. And I think the big thing is learning the golf course. And you're mixing the men and the women. I think that's always a challenge, not exactly knowing your players. But uh, it, like he said, it's it, to represent the, Mr. Palmer and all the things he's done, uh, it's a great honor for you all. I know you're going to have some fun over there. But uh, let's talk about Arizona State. You've uh, made some deep runs in the NCAAs. They were at Greyhawk. I know there's always a lot of expectations and pressure plan at home runner-up in 2022 can you describe what those expectations are how you deal with that and kind of keep the pressure off the players because it's always difficult because everybody wants to play well in front of their fans <laughs> yeah that's that's true i mean i think part of being at asu is to have pressure on you okay. and when we recruit we're very open and clear about that we don't try to hide from the pressure we try to we maybe we try to manage it once we have it but if you think you're not going to feel it uh, you just don't know where you are. Uh, so even from the very start in recruiting, like this is what you're signing up for. You're going to have a lot of people watching you. You're going to have a lot of attention. You're going to have high expectations every time you tee it up. You're one of those teams that 
when people look at a leaderboard, it's the first schools that they look at to see how you're doing. Uh, they expect you to be really good because you carry that uniform uh, because of the people that have come before you. So honestly, that's just part of being one of us. And I think that's cool. I mean, I love that. Uh, I love that. And then you add to it a uh, home tournament where your university and community are investing, you know, massive amounts of time and energy and money and expectations are high and you bring really good teams that are ranked high into it. Now uh, that was a heavy burden for us to bear. Mm-hmm. I thought we did. I thought we did great. You know, making match play three years in a row is not easy to do. There's only a few teams that have done that now. And and we won some matches. I think we were 500 in match play, which is about what anybody's probably going to be. I'd like to be a little better than that. But uh, we won three and lost three, and we took it. Uh, all the matches that we lost were really, really tight and close. Uh, so, I mean, look, I would love to stand here and say that I w- we'd won two of the three championships or, or at least one. Uh, but we were in it. We gave ourselves a chance, and I'm sure we'll have more opportunities ahead. Is there a style or type of player you kind of look for, or what are you looking for when you're recruiting those young players out there in the junior playing junior golf? You know, one of the coolest things tying that into match play is, you know, when you're in, and you've been there, right? Those mm-hmm. those matches, the level of golf is so high. Uh, I'm just amazed, really, at how good these guys are and the shots that they hit over and over and over again with that immense pressure on. And that experience frames the type of player you're looking for. Like, okay, can we ask about every recruit? Is he going to be able to stand up in this moment and hit these shots? Uh, and if the answer is no, then they're not the right, not the right person. I mean, this is a, it's a really, really high level of golf that has to, that you have to play to, to win a championship or be in it for a championship or even to make match play and, and win a match. So um, it frames it, you know, uh, so the, the presence and the confidence and the, um, the skill to kind of build the foundation on to be able to to survive in those moments and, and to really like thrive in those moments is what we're looking for. I always ask my my guests, you know, what makes that elite golfer or elite athlete elite? What separates them? And you kind of describe that. But how would you describe the elite player? What separates them? Because you've been around the John Roms, the Mickelsons, mm-hmm. all those great players. You know, what separates those guys? Well, it's interesting. I like that you ask it what separates them because because everyone's always asking what do they have in common. And it's funny. I don't think they have that much in common. I mean, if you just watch them on a range or their skill set or their personality types or how their social types, behavioral profiles, they're all extremely different. Mm-hmm. Even why they play and what matters to them is extremely different. Uh, so everyone wants to kind of group them together and find a commonality. And I, and I don't think they're are that many what i think is that they all have a, a super elite level of self-awareness they have their own system that works for them they have a deep confidence in themselves and in their own system and it doesn't really matter honestly i don't think what the system is like what your swing approach is how you short game it uh, there's a lot of ways over the over the history of golf that have that have won major championships mm-hmm but, but the level of belief in your system and confidence in your system and, the, you know, really knowing who you are, what you do, why you do it, that it works, why it works, where it, where it fails sometimes and how to fix it. I mean, that's what these guys, I think, have um, that, that maybe the, the, the step down doesn't have. Is that one of your biggest challenges as a coach is knowing with these guys how different they are? 
Well, uh, again, I think again, you read a book on coaching and these people have their systems of how they work and they try to group it all together around a core philosophy. And, and I, I think the best coaches don't do that. The best coaches actually coach each player pretty different. Mm-hmm. Now, they may have some philosophies on how they, how they communicate or how they care, how much they care or certain things they do and don't do. But, but I think if you're not coaching them all to their own unique strengths – situations experiences you know body types uh you know personality styles then you're 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 not coaching that well uh, each person and it's one of the questions i ask in recruiting you know what kind of coaching do you prefer what kind of coaching do you best thrive in and the answer is very different every time some people say hey i like someone who's with me every day that you know keeps me accountable every day that has a help me build a structured plan for everything i do and has always always has the answers for me and some say you know what, I just need, you know, somebody occasionally to make sure I'm on the right track and be my friend and, you know, yeah. like be there when I need them. And so, so two totally different answers. Uh, I remember David Pooch says, I just, I just need someone. I just want someone who will tell me the truth. True. Like, well, that's, that's a pretty cool answer. Uh, and that's, that's, that's an answer an elite player would give. Uh, but anyway, so I think, I think you got to coach the individual. I think you got to get to know them very, very well before you start you know, giving advice and, and tweaking things uh, and learn their background, learn where, how they got where they are. And, and then I think you can actually make a big impact. College golf's changed a lot just in the last three or four years I've covered it. Of course, my daughter's played uh, in college and you've seen a lot of changes, you know, there at Arizona State, also at Washington. Uh, how has it changed just in the last couple of years? What are the, some of the challenges now that have made it a little bit more difficult? I think everyone's going to bring up NIL, which yeah. is a, a big change. I don't, I mean, it's starting to change and I don't know that in golf it's like transformed anything yet, but it's, it's a, it's a new factor. Uh, let's see. I would say. Transfer portal. Changes, Transfer portal. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's a little bit there, but um, in golf, it's, it's not as much. I mean, we, at least we haven't at ASU seen that. We haven't had guys leaving mm-hmm. much or coming and going. I mean, even the, the top teams have had a guy here and there, but not in mass, like in football and basketball. Correct. Uh, it's just not quite been the same. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're actually on the verge of the biggest changes, and I don't know exactly what they are. Uh, we're, I think we're kind of clinging to what's always been, and we're probably about to see major changes. Uh, one big thing I notice is just more people around, you know, more agents, more mm-hmm. equipment companies involved, more coaches for every player, uh, more media and so, you know, what used to be this quiet little team team golf competition, I mean, it's become a much bigger deal for a lot more people. And so players, you know, kind of living the pro life earlier uh, is what I would say is, is a pretty big change. And that, that, that obviously impacts what we do. Yeah, and that's what I say when I'm doing coverage. They're prepared. They're playing in front of TV. They're, they're doing the media things. You guys are preparing them. It's uh, it, it's it's a business, and it's uh, it is. It used to be just kind of a quiet little thing. It's a full time job, uh, and I, I would say that when I when I tell kids, you know, if you're going to pick a school and it gets down to one or two, it's you know, pick somewhere where you may not get to play, where you think you'd be the happiest, because there may be a time where you don't make a trip, or but you're going to be out there working out in the morning. You're going to be going to class and practicing. It's a full time job, way more I know than when I played, and even when you played at BYU. Uh, and, but who, why did you get into coaching? Who got you into coaching? Why'd you get started? Cause you played your college golf at BYU, but why did you get into coaching? Well, I'll try to be short with this answer because it could be a long one. Uh, no, my dad you. was, uh, my dad was, 
my dad's a coach. Okay. Uh, he coached my AAU basketball teams, coached my brother's baseball teams, really, really into sports in our family. Uh, so I grew up kind of thinking like a coach and having those conversations. I, uh, my, both my brothers uh, are coaches. They, my brother, older brother is a really successful high school baseball coach. My younger brother isn't coaching at the moment, but has coached a ton. Uh, so coaching is just kind of how we have been. The Thurmans aren't maybe the most athletically gifted, but we're passionate and we like teams and we will work hard. And so we're kind of, you know, it's good fit for coaches, not too much talent, <laughs> yeah. willing to, willing to, you know, help others and, uh, and wanting to win. Uh, so uh, it's in the blood, it's in the family. I always thought I wanted to be a high school, uh, college basketball coach. Mm -hmm. Basketball was kind of my thing growing up and I just loved the strategy and thought on basketball and, uh, golf was more the sport I played, but I never thought of coaching golf necessarily. Uh, I had an awesome coach, Carl Welty. You've probably heard of him. Mm -hmm. Carl was an incredible instructor, and he taught me a lot. I, I learned so much from him, but still wasn't thinking coaching golf until really my senior year of college at BYU. And um, Bruce Brockbank, who's still there and mm -hmm. is just an awesome coach, said, "Hey Therms, I think you'd be I think you'd be good at coaching." why don't you stick around and be my assistant coach next year? And, you know, I was actually dating my wife at the time, my now wife at the time. And, and she was a year behind me in school and I hadn't raised a ton of money yet for my pro career. I was, I was a decent player, but not a, not a lock superstar. And like, you yeah, know, it sounds pretty good. Give me a year. I can do both and I can see what happens. And really from the start, I mean, I remember vividly those first few weeks of coaching thinking, oh, this is so much more fun to work with all 10 of these guys and the whole the whole operation than just being out hitting 77-yard wedge shots and hitting putts from 12 feet for an hour. Like, I was finding myself bored practicing mm -hmm. and, like, super switched on emotionally and mentally when I was thinking about the program or the team or all the different players on the team and all their, diff their, their different challenges. So uh, I kind of fell in love with it right away, was quick at that point to put my clubs away. Uh, after a year there at BYU, I got the job at uh, Washington as the assistant coach for both the men's and women's program. Odie Vincent, uh, Mary Lou Moffler, I uh, worked with both of them. And Odie was was and is just an uh, incredible mentor for me. And I learned so much from him about coaching and team building and and uh, running an organization. And that's, that's really when I kind of took off. I, I got the head coaching job a year after I started at Washington. I was there for 15 years. And, you know, I'm lucky I've never had to... Never had to have a real job, I guess. You know, I mean, I've been coaching since I since I left college. I guess I have a real job because I have a boss. So technically, I guess. Calling well, calls. I do too, <laughs> and I say that just for fun. I mean, I look. I mean, if you if you follow me around, you'd see. Oh, there's a lot of crap in this job too. You know, it's <laughs> oh, not just is. on the golf course all day. Well, your assistants are so important, and I think that's a big part of it. And you've seen now some of your assistants. I'm not saying you're old, but seeing some of your assistants <laughs> go on to be head coaches. But how rewarding is that for you to see some of your guys? Uh, as you said, there are people that mentored you along the way. Now you're seeing some of your guys becoming head coaches. One of the things that Odie taught me uh, that was so important is he was an absolute sharer of information. He would share anything with anybody. And like, look, if you if you're willing to do the work, I'll tell you whatever I want to know. And 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 so he was extremely open to anyone and everyone that ever had questions how we do things. And he instilled that in me. And that's the way we've been with our with our you know the assistant coaches and now head coaches. We've had I've had six guys that have gone gone on to be head coaches. 
and we talk almost every day. Uh, wow. all, you know, every week we talk like anytime one of us has a question about anything, the trust is so high because of the time and the trenches together, so to speak. Uh, and just this understanding that this guy's got your back and he would give you good advice. And he knows has this wealth of experiences that we've been through together. Uh, so it's pretty common that I'll call him and I say, no Thurms, that's not, you don't want to do that. That's not the right move. And remember when we did this and this worked out better and like, yeah, you're right. Thanks. And they call me too. And, uh, so I, I would have never thought that when I look back on my coaching career, that maybe the best part has been, you know, my relationships with the, the coaches I've worked with. I absolutely love these guys. I love every day working with them. Uh, it's a special bond that's created the players are obviously really special too, but this relationship with your your staff, uh, it's special. They're really the only ones that can fully understand what what the pressure you feel and what goes on on a daily basis behind the scenes, and that makes it a uh, makes it a really special connection. And I think you know Missy Kay, uh, the women's coach yeah. there. You're a tight connection there. I think it's so oh, yeah. important for both the men and women's programs to be connected because you're going through the same things, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I that's another thing, Odie. Again, I'm talking about Odie a lot, but one of the first things he said to me, he says, our most important relationship in this program is is Mary Lou Mofler. Mm. And I've said that always with our assistant coaches too. Like our relationship with the women's program and that coach is the most important relationship we have here. It's um, we work together. We build each other. Uh, we support each other. One rises with the other. And you you can make each other's life miserable or you can make each other's life much better. And I know there's places where they make each other's lives miserable. True. And uh, that's just not acceptable for us. Missy and I get along great. And our teams consequently get along great too, which is, which is cool. They're going to take cues from the coaches. And when you have a men's and women's team that are also like super close and helping each other out on and off the course, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember when my daughter Kathleen was playing at LSU – and Sissy, who played there as well, my wife, I was like, go watch Sam hit some balls. Just go watch him, mm-hmm. you know, when he was still there for that year or two. I said, just, you'll learn just watching and asking questions. And I think it's, I think the guys can learn from the gals and vice versa. And I, I, your facility is phenomenal, Miss. He gave me a, a tour last year when I was out for NCAAs. And, you know, describe that facility and how important that is for your recruiting. Well, I think uh, it's interesting you segue from that to the facility because they're interconnected. I think your facility, how you build a place, how you build your space, whether it's your home, your office building, your golf facility, it's it's a representation of your values. And people are going to live in and breathe in this facility, and they're going to have ups and downs and life experiences in here. And so you actually create the spaces that create the experiences, and the experiences are what you know really make a culture. So I think we did a great job building a facility that pulled everybody together. There's a lot of open spaces where we gather. The The middle room is this kind of kitchen area, break room area with a massive middle table. Uh, instead of having multiple tables where everyone kind of does their own thing, Missy decided, hey, let's have one big table. And you know what? We have lunch delivered every day, and they all sit around together like a big family lunch and talk about their day, talk about their classes, tell jokes, and, and share a meal together. That's pretty cool. Uh, you, you, at our facility, our men's office suite is the exact same size as our women's office suite, and our our locker rooms are the exact same size. You know, the only thing that's different in size is the trophy case for the women because theirs needs to be a lot bigger. They've won eight <laughs> national championships, and we've won two. 
so our guys know that and they watch how they practice and how how they do their you know how they they have a lot more pressure maybe on them than than we do because of that history and and our guys really respect that so yeah the players come together you saw it it's kind of a small space relative to some practice facilities which leads to a lot of interaction they cross each other's paths and practice and in the building every day and uh, they really, really like each other and support each other and get along well. you got great support from past players. I've seen videos. John Rahm's been out there. Of course, Mickelson, uh, you know, kind of put that together and, and created that yep. facility. How important is that for the past players to be involved? And what can some of your players learn from them? Well, it's 8.50 a.m. on a Tuesday. And I'm looking out the window right now. And Linnea Strom and Olivia Mahaffey, two legends on the women's team, are out practicing. Uh, I had texts this morning with uh, David Pooge, Nicolo Galetti, and I think there was somebody, there was another one too, but um, the alums are just a part of our family here. It's funny, you know, it, it, a lot of places you go to a school and then you end up moving somewhere else once you turn pro. Most of our pro alums live in town, mm -hmm. so we see them all the time. We had a fundraiser on on Friday, where our alums were here, Paul Casey was out. He practices here all the time. Um, Alberto Sanchez is playing golf today with uh, an alum. He's David Pooja's caddy. He's playing golf today with two of the guys on our team up at Whisper Rock. I mean, they're they're a part of the fabric of our culture. Uh, Howard Twitty is yep. our third coach. And, um, you know, John... Uh, John is involved. Grayson Murray won a tournament. Yep. He was texting with us this weekend. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. Like they're really a part of our team. That's one of the important things that I need to do as a coach here to, to have it be successful is pull those alumni in, connect them with our players. It's good for both of them. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah, it's vital. Even at Washington, the UNCT Pan, a great relationship. Nick Taylor, how about the putty yep. made at uh, yep. the Canadian Open? Uh, you know, what's it like to have those great relationships with those guys? It tells you as a coach, one thing I remember Steve Spurrier saying, when my past players bring their kids in to introduce me to them, I know I've done a great job as a coach. I mean, that's got to make you feel good. These guys still stay in contact with you. It's huge. And if you I, – I think for us, you know, everyone talks about recruiting and they think it's some big sales job and, and, and all that. Like, no, it's about providing – an amazing experience and building real connections with your players. And if they're real connections and they know you care about them and you know, they care about you, the relationships will last a long time. Uh, Carl, you mm -hmm. I only got to coach Carl for one year at Washington, but you know, he just finished fourth at uh, this week at Sony. I was watching that closely. He and his wife are going to stay with us when they're here for the waste management. Um, you know, I go spend time with CT Pan and his wife, Michelle. Uh, we're close. Uh, Nick and I stay in touch. Well, you know, Joel, I only coached for a year, but we text here and there. And you know, Richard Lee, I mean, these yeah. guys, it's, they're still a very much a part of my life. And I love that. Uh, and not just the ones that are playing playing the tour. I stay in touch with, with all of them. Sure. And, yeah. Here's a really fun fact. The 2022, you earned your status as ASU graduate. You completed your master's degree. What was that like to go back and uh, get your master's? Well, I was super angry about the whole COVID thing. I mean, not like outwardly, but it's, I had a great team that year. And yeah, I remember did. getting the call that, you know, you're getting shut down. We're done for the season. And we were really building and felt good. And, and it was just frustrating to lose that. And my wife and I were on a walk and we'd, we'd always kind of assumed we would get a master's at some point. 
but you know, she was, she decided she was going to go back and get a master's in education and start teaching. I'm like, well, if you're doing it, I'll do it. And so I started looking at stuff too. And we both, we decided it'd be kind of cool to do it together. Uh, so that's what we did. We, we both signed up. It was, it was seemed easy at the start of COVID. Uh, I mean, at the start of our deal when it was still kind of a COVID era and we weren't playing as much, uh, to, to get the homework done, but it, it got tough. I, I was in the Thunderbird School of Global Management, which is a top kind of international business school here at ASU. And uh, I loved it. I'm with students from all over the world. I was able to do it online, but I, we had two we had two classes that were remote classes. So I spent uh, 10 days in uh, Kenya, in Nairobi, really? for one of my classes, doing like a global... Um, kind of a global survey, like they're basically learning about the business environment in uh, sub-Saharan Africa and how it works. And then we also, I had another one where I spent 10 days in Lyon, Mexico uh, as part of a consultant group uh, for a company. And that was just awesome too. I'm part of this, I'm part of a small team. I'm close with those team members. I'm still close with the company. They're also coming to stay at my house in February because they have some business here in the area. So I learned so much. I made great relationships, and um, I think it was cool too to, for my players to see that I'm doing the same thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I know all these different systems you got to log into <laughs> that are that are a pain, and you know all, how it all works online, half online, quizzes by midnight, papers, group projects. You know, inevitably every group project has somebody who's not doing anything and somebody who's trying to do too much and dealing with that and. Um, so I don't know, it gave me like a little bit deeper connection to my players and their experience to be doing it myself. Yeah. Cause I don't, and think now I'm an ASU alum. And yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and you went back after years after studying, I mean, that's not easy. Uh, cause you know, when you're younger, you're doing it all the time. All of a sudden you take a bunch of years off, you got to go back here and kind of retrain your brain, but you, you're, you keep, you know, emphasizing the relationships and that's true. I, I think people don't realize these kids are taking tests while they're at tournaments and having to get projects in by midnight, but yet still trying to compete. Those are the challenges that they have. But one thing I did see on Instagram, I think it's you and your wife have some pretty heated tennis matches. Is that with you and your daughter? I mean, no, that's my daughter. Okay. Yeah, my daughter. And then, and she's a nice tennis player. She plays on the high school team, and she's into it. I'm not the greatest, so um, so we did that, which I had, is super I had fun. To get, I had to get back to that athletic thing because sounds like she's beating you most of the time. My wife is definitely the better athlete of the family. Uh, and my daughters have all, you know, it's funny, they've done other sports and they've been pretty good at them. I mean, not superstars, but they've been very good athletes and none of them were at all into golf. Really? And I think that's kind of funny. I probably chose golf because my dad was so into baseball and basketball, you know, like mm-hmm. do my own thing. I think my daughters did the same. And I was fine with that. I mean, you know what it's like, the pressure Yeah. to be, to have a, a father who's, you know, supposed to be an expert and all this. And if my daughters, I mean, if they would have been really into it and great at it, fine. But, you, you know, if they're golfing and every tournament they go to, like, is she the coach's daughter? And why isn't she better? You know, you wouldn't want to put them through that. No, it's tough. I And I, I, I talked to a lot of you guys, a lot of you coaches, and your dad's coach. That's the uh, kind of a trend I see. And I, I think you learn a lot from your dad. What are some of the things – you know, you maybe your dad mentioned and passed on to you so something that's really stuck out that your dad told you that's really helped you uh, now that you're you know been coaching for so long. Yeah, you know my um, my dad passed like less than two years ago, so it's still emotional when I even think about it. So mm. I apologize. No. Um, Winston Churchill once said, "Success 
is to be able to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And if there's something that could sum up my dad, it's that not that he was, you know, failing all the time, but life wasn't easy and uh, not everything worked out for him, but he had this just unending enthusiasm and zeal and passion for the next thing and for life and for people. Um, and so I hope I have that. I hope I have that, that he, you know, gave me uh, just, uh, and I see it sometimes in myself. Like I kind of, I don't know. I have sometimes maybe too much, too much enthusiasm, too much excitement, too much belief in what's ahead. Uh, but he, uh, I think he instilled that into me. He, my, the other thing that my dad did really well is he, and this is, you know, kind of a, a spiritual religious, um, you know, reference, but you know, we, he, he believes that, you know, we're all children of God and he's, he's like, Matt, you know what, you know, we're all, we're all sons and daughters of God. I'm just your dad here on earth for a while. Like you and I are equals. We're both, we're brothers more than I'm your dad. We're brothers. And he always treated me like my, like his brother. Mm -hmm. And so even at a young age, like he valued my opinion and he never overrode me and said, Oh, I'm the old one. I'm the wise one. I know. And I think a lot of that is in the coaching too. I don't ever claim to be the smartest guy or the expert on stuff. I, I let my guys kind of come to their own conclusions and learn in their own way. And I, you know, I, I see them as honestly, I work for them more than they work for me for sure. Um, and I think my dad instilled that in me too. And I, I really appreciate it. I think that's an important parenting principle to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and I looked up to my dad so much. So when he, when he says, well, tell me what you think. Cause I think you probably know better than me. Like that's quite a thing to hear from, uh, from your dad when you're a young kid and you're like, well, I guess my opinion does matter. And I guess I do need to think this through. And I guess, you know, my voice is important. So, so that was, uh, that was a couple things that I learned from him. That's one of the, that's a part of parenting. I think that's the stages you go through. You start out that discipline, you're taking care of them, then discipline, then you kind of coach them and then you kind of on the equal playing field. Uh, and he passed on some great things. That was well said. I think that's a great way for us to end uh, the podcast. I know that was emotional for you, but you did a you did a wonderful job getting through that. But I appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, when do y'all head out again? I know the Copper Cup just finished up, but when do y'all head out and start that spring? Because I know it's going to be here soon. Yeah, well, we had uh, not this weekend, but next weekend we're heading down to Tucson for uh, the NIT at Tucson National. We know it well. And then, yep. then it's off to Hawaii and Vegas and Cabo for uh, an amazing February. I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. All right, buddy. Good luck. Appreciate you spending time with me. Tell Missy I said hello. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Wow. How good was that? What a great way to end it. Uh, got a little emotional there talking about his dad, the things he passed on. And uh, that's what Matt makes Matt Thurman one of the best coaches in college golf. Uh, his teams have been fantastic. It's about the relationships. He mentioned that. Uh, just a wonderful guy. You could see why he's being successful. You could see why kids want to play for him. Uh, and, and one of the good guys in, in golf. But uh, appreciate you listening today. Uh, and we look forward to seeing what Arizona State does. They'll move the NCAAs now to La Costa. I'm sure that men's team will make a great run. And it's a very competitive team. They've had uh, the last 10 tournaments, three wins. And the worst is a fifth-place finish, so they've played some phenomenal golf. Uh, did lose to Arizona, as he mentioned, in the Copper Cup, but did beat USC in the next match at Consolation. But uh, it's a long spring, and I know they're going to be there. And we appreciate you being with us. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. Uh, until next time, whether it's life or golf, you may have only one shot. Make it count.